사건날 전부 비가 왔어요. 죽은 여자가 빨간 옷을 입고 있었어요. 근데 서울에서도 이러고 자주 보나지. 전혀. 목격자가 있나? 그렇다고 증거가 있나? 범인이 워낙 고핀 팀이었고요. 자신 있나? steps away from our last show uh the disney golden age and we are doing it hard again yeah. into some real aggressive violent murders bong joon ho evolving from dog murder to human murder he's really upgrading he's really <laughs> it's quite an upgrade guys <laughs> he's gone from uh he's gone from dogs to women you know and then it's he really begs, he's baked like a dog Beg like a dog. Beg like a woman in a red a red skirt. Red skirt. Oh boy. Jesus yeah. Um, so I don't know. This we we'll talk more about our feelings about the movie. But I have just like a conspiracy theory in my mind that Bong Joon Ho watched the movie Seven, and was like, I need to make a movie like this. And then a couple years later, David Fincher watched Memories of a Murder and. And was like, I need to make a movie like this. And Zodiac was made. It's funny you say that because both of those movies came to mind when watching this. And yet, I was, I mean, I thought of, yeah, a lot of, a lot of different movies came to mind, specifically those two. And I was like, it's funny that these people are good enough at their craft that like the movies feel alike and yet they don't feel ripped off of one another, you know? Uh, yeah, I completely agree. But, but, that, but that signature, be, that's like my conspiracy theory in my mind. Oh, like no, it was it's, just a it's, wheel of like, oh, I need to, like, I like what you did there. Let me do there this. Oh, I are, like what you did there. Let me do this. There are enough, uh, there's enough of a gap in years between each movie that that very would have happened. <laughs> yeah. Fincher making Zodiac off of this one. I mm. mean, Zodiac is pretty good, though. Zodiac is pretty good. You're I actually pretty. know that... Uh, Zodiac is one of Bong Joon-ho's favorite movies because he's a member of the Sights and Sounds voting booth. Like, he can vote in it. And one of his top 10 movies for Sights and Sounds, which is, like, the best movies ever, was Zodiac. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So, obviously, they all got a dark streak. They all have a... There's a dark, dark person deep down in these filmmakers. They just like murder, you know? Who doesn't? There's something something about it. I mean, look at the age of Netflix shows that, you know, people watch. And, I mean, I've never seen white people clamor to their... uh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> their television sets more than when they're talking about uh whatever is making a murderer and uh, well, yeah i got shows. some making a murderer vibes from this too yep, we'll get into yep. that later but, a- absolutely you know the quote that comes to mind is that alfred hitchcock one that we said that i mentioned uh i don't even remember when and i'm i don't remember the exact quote but it was um people like 
watching murder, assuming, of course, it's not their own. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's good. I mean, it's true. There's just something fascinating about it, but, you know. So I don't really have a lot of uh, information about this because usually to get information, I watch uh, behind-the-scenes videos and stuff. The only one I could find was in Korean, and the only translation was in French. So that was a no-go for me. But let's just get into what I do have. This movie was based on real murders in, that happened in South Korea from October 1986 to April 1991. Uh, this killing spree became known as the Hwansong serial murders. In real life, there were 10 bodies discovered. Uh, just like the movie, the gagging and tying up was real. And so was the DNA aspect. But in real life, they sent the DNA to Japan, not to America. They did get semen, and they did send out a suspect's sample. Wild. Yeah. The suspected murderer uh, is Lee Chun-jae. Uh, they discovered that it was most likely him in September 18th, 2019. So let's do math here for a minute. You know, the bo last body was found in 1991, and he was... Uh, suspected in 2019. That's a pretty big jump. They uh, ran DNA and his came up in four of the 10 murders. So we don't know if he killed all 10 of those women, but he is pretty much guaranteed to have killed four of them. At the time this discovery was made, Lee was already in prison for uh, raping and then murdering his sister-in-law. So, yeah, for, <clears throat> a tough family. <laughs> sentence in 1994, yeah, rough so, stuff. So it, it was a tough family Christmas that year, you know? The <laughs> sister-in-law was just all over the turkey and how dry it was. He didn't take too kindly to it. In 2019, October, uh, he admitted to 14 murders. Some bodies are probably still out there. It's very interesting when um, movies cross that fictional line and they go into real territory and then you realize how real the actual territory is. And this is like a prime example of that. Like I'm watching it and- This may not be like the most apt analogy, but it's kind of like Amadeus where they're taking events that happened and fictionalizing them. They're exaggerating, they're exaggerating it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, and that's how I felt. Cause like watching, you know, we've, watched enough you know crime murder shows and movies that like i mean i don't know about you but like i i become pretty desensitized to a lot of it where it's like i'm shocked by the violence but i'm also i'm used to it because i've seen it in other movies and then once you realize how real it really is and that this this <laughs> the kind of stuff actually went down makes it all the more disturbing but that's of course what makes the movies like these um all the more better is because they're capturing a sense of reality in ways that um, is told through that that fictional narrative to tell a real story. I don't know. It's very, yeah. Um, it crosses that line, you know, into reality, and it's very, it's very wild. We mentioned uh, that in the previous podcast that Bong Joon Ho grew up in the seventies and eighties in Korea, and it was under a military dictatorship, and the police were this corrupt and this fucked up in 
that time period in South Korea, according to Bong Joon-ho. And he said that making it take place in the 80s was like the key. Like this was a commentary on the political stature of the country in the 80s and the ineptitude of the police in the 80s. He said the police have gotten a lot better, but in the 80s, this is truly what it was like. Even still, you know, you don't see this as a very political movie, but it is still a very political movie for Bong Joon-ho. Politics always plays a part. It's very interesting that it's the 80s as well, because apparently the script was heavily influenced by Alan Moore's comic uh, From Hell, and I guess, like, you know, Alan Moore being notably known for uh, Watchmen, um, it was interesting that there was this, it's the same era, it's the same, specifically the 80s. Um, he said he also drew inspiration from a play called Come See Me, which uh, dramatized the incidents to the extent that he stated in an interview, if it weren't for the play, Come and, come and See Me, I, I would have had a lot of problems establishing the structure. And I think that's really interesting because the, the top note in IMDb is that Apparently, Bong took a year to write the script for Memories of Murder. And he said, for the first six months, I didn't write a line of dialogue. I just did research. Wow. So there's obviously, he obviously had a lot of time to, I guess, do with this and really like, you know, watching, you know, reading the graphic novel and and reading the play and then just like observing. I mean, he obviously took a lot in and it shows, you know. Well, he made this movie... This movie came out in 2003, which is three years after... uh, barking dogs and typically when you are a new director you make your first movie and a year later you come out with your second movie and then like a year later you come out with your third movie you like keep churning them out because you make sure people know who you are yeah yeah exactly like Ari Aster just as an example you know Hereditary came out the next year something just as ambitious in Mm -hmm. Midsommar came out Uh, yeah in when Eggers, The Witch came out, and I guess it took him three years to come out with The Lighthouse. But but it was still relevant enough that he could put on the trailers, you know, from the director of The Witch. It's not like too much time had passed, you know? Yeah, so, you know, it's just very interesting that he took that much time off, or he felt able to take that much time off to come up with his second film. I think that it's one of the conversations you and I had last week when we were talking about Barking Dogs, is that if you <clears throat> it's ultimately the Tarantino conversation is that if you take your time to make quality enough pictures, that if you space them out and you have a small, that you can have a small enough resume, but if they're all kind of home runs, they're all hits, then it's kind of, it, it you establish that time period where it's like, okay, it may take two, three years, or in Tarantino's case, like four years to put out a movie, but you know it's something that's going to be worth the wait. So it's kind of like, it's almost like we were saying with Barking Dogs, it is ambitious is that it's, it's, He's taking ambitions to try and, you know, space out his time to put out, put his heart and soul into these movies. Some background uh, on how Bong Joon-ho works. He said that he comes from the Hitchcock school of thought. So every frame of the movie is storyboarded before the camera hits the set. This helps him because he knows exactly how things are going to operate. So much so that he does not get coverage, which is fucking crazy. Yeah, it's wild. You don't get coverage, you know, like, in a, that's like unheard of by a director. Yeah. You know, could you imagine not getting coverage and still making quality movies like this? I think that it's just, I don't know if it's that he put 
his eggs in the right baskets, but he clearly knew what he was doing from the get-go. Like, he clearly had a, a vision and a plan. It's not like he was kind of just scrambling or throwing things at the wall to see what sticks. Like, he yeah. is very meticulous about what he was doing. Uh, so just for anyone out there who doesn't understand what coverage is, because I don't know if everyone does, uh, coverage is when you film one specific person in multiple angles, uh, doing the same thing over and over again. So you can cut from one thing to the next here. He's shooting it once and that's going to be the take. I mean, he's not doing one take, but he's shooting from one angle and that's it. It's very interesting that you that you bring it up. I didn't read that at all about the coverage, but it's it's interesting because one of the first, and we could talk about when we go over the plot, but one of the first things I noticed was early on in the film, there's an outdoor sequence when they're looking at the crime scene and there's all the people in the background watching and you're following the detective and it is a one take. Um, he goes from the field and then he goes up to the road and like, he sees like a, tra- a car going by and it, it's just, I realized that the camera hadn't broke. And so it was very uh, unique to see him with this vision of kind of like, hey, no coverage. I'm kind of just kind of, here's the plan for how I'm going to shoot it. <clears throat> and even when it's not one takes, it's still like putting, like I said, putting a lot of eggs in the baskets of like, hey, here's the, the take that you see. This is it. This is what yep. we went for, you know? Now, that being said, Bong Joon-ho has also said that he wants his actors to feel comfortable enough to improvise because he does love improvisation by them. That's so interesting, yeah. It's the dichotomy is just very interesting. A very controlled it's just like a very controlled way of like getting to the set and then once you're on set you let go. It that's almost Spielbergian too. Spielberg yeah. does a lot of that. It's good. Uh the only other note that I have is that Tarantino has named this movie one of his twenty favorite movies since nineteen ninety two. As well as the host. <laughs> As well as the host. He's really, he really digs this guy. So he's a Bong fan. but And as um, we mentioned last week, Bong Joon-ho is a fan of Tarantino's. So It's it's all this... It's, all this it's symbiotic, no? Yeah. <laughs> um, the fun, a funny note I have here is that um, the first jump kick and scuffle from um, the actor uh, Park was improvised by actor Song Kang-ho. Um, it's funny that they may even make a note of that because <laughs> about halfway through, I'm like, a lot of characters get drop kicked in this movie a lot just of thinking that and <laughs> we can just talk about it now I, I was gonna bring it up later but some of those drop kicks were like genuinely impressive i was gonna say they didn't look staged they look like it's like <laughs> they looked really i mean tough look for the police of korea but you know for that guy you're like wow this guy's agile holy shit like it makes <laughs> Give this guy I, an action movie. I understand that part of American culture is, in, in cinema, that part of American culture is watching Asian, any Asian films and being in, being in, having that childlike sense of wonder at the martial arts or the action. And so here's this cop drama, a cop thriller, whatever you want to call it. It's not, you know, it's very, fairly decently paced. And then there's these moments where, you know, in the interrogation room and one character jumps over the table and drop kicks this, the suspect. I'm like, I just feel like you don't see that in America. Like, that's just so cool, you know? But <laughs> of course, that's just the American moviegoer in me that's, you know, wishes that that's just how it was everywhere. But yeah, a lot of drop kicks. All right. So then you ready to get into the plot? Yeah, that's good timing. 
Just a reminder, the following is a depiction of a uh, slaughtering of the uh, Korean English language uh, as told by Steve Molina and Josh Page. So uh, viewer <laughs> discretion advised. Or viewer discretion advised. <laughs> audio uh, discretion advised. We uh, apologize in advance every week. We'll be apologizing for our butchering of the Korean language. So yes, very important stuff that Thank we mentioned for, this. For tuning Good call. In. Good call. October 23rd, 1986, Detective Park Duman, played by Song Kang-ho, is being brought to a crime scene by Tractor. The victim is a young woman. The body is tied up and thrown into a ditch. The scene is gruesome, but in the not-too-distant background, children are chasing each other and playing. How ironic. Yeah. It was a, a good way to set up just how tight, like, or just how out of control the crime scene is already um you just know, from this like, first shot they were establishing how how effective they were at showing the realities of like horror or the fact that there's like all these extras in the background the children playing it just made it's so literally children scary. playing in the background i it's, love it it's, yeah. it's very real it's very horrific and it's it's kind of so, like i don't know maybe it's the death of innocence or something yeah no but, i like it i like it a lot but let's let's well, you know, um, a few a few days later, Park is at a second murder scene. The site is out of control. Forensics has not arrived. There is no uh, crowd control, and the kids are all running around. Worst of all, only one piece of evidence—a footprint—is run over by a tractor. Rough the stuff. <laughs> rough, rough stuff. The victim, similar to the previous one, is a young woman in a red dress tied up. Back at the office, Park is eating and looking at the suspects. Park believes he has a gift and can tell the innocent from the guilty simply by looking into people's eyes. Sergeant Koo Hee Bong, played by Byun Hee Bong, put this to the test, pointing to two men being charged. One man for rape, the other for beating up the rapist. Park stares at the men, but the camera cuts to him having sex with Kwok Sol Young, played by Jun Mi Sun. Yeah, that was quite a cut. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I didn't understand it at first, but then I, you know... I get what he was doing with the rape and the sex and the whatever. He was very, this movie's very, got a lot of sexual undertones and overtones. and Very all, sexual. Yeah, but that's kind of where the Fincher vibe comes from. You know, Fincher is famous for saying, I, the way he makes his movies is under the impression that everyone is a pervert. Yeah. And I feel like that this movie kind of adopted that. Yeah, it's very, uh, it's kind of, it's very on the nose. It's very uncomfortable. And I guess it's reminding you that like rape and murder, it's kind of trying to like make it more, it's an uncomfortable subject, so they're trying to just make you feel as uncomfortable as possible, I guess. But very sexual. Um, in their <laughs> in their postcoitus bliss, Quan gives Park a flu shot while doing show. While doing so, she talks about an old lady and her mentally challenged son. Um, yeah, I think right from the get go, especially that scene with the two guys and how he's staring at them, and you see their faces change. It's very good direction at not being direct, if that makes any sense. Yeah, and it's also good way to set up maybe he does have a gift maybe he doesn't we don't even know at this point and I, yeah i like that there's there's no clear indication it's kind of just you but it's you know. kind of interesting because we never really get the sense that he actually does have this inane gift that's because, what i like about it yeah we'll we'll get into it more but he, what I'm about to read is that he literally locks up the wrong man. If he had this, in, if he had this ability, how could he not look at that person in the face and go, "What's going?" And he's, you know, this is not the right guy. And why do you right. need to frame this guy? 
it's almost like a feel he's got an ego complex and it fills this whole idea of him being a great detective and meanwhile he's i mean we'll 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 bring it full circle at the end but it's kind of just there's a lot of ambiguity and i think it really works for the better but yeah so the next day park finds bake kwang ho uh park no silk the mentally challenged and burned man kwok talked about uh he finds him at the arcade bake is taken into custody and interrogated. At first, Park is nicely asking about the murder. The good cop, bad cop routine is put on full display when Park's partner, Cho Young Ko, Kim Ray-ha, enters the room and kicks Bake to the floor. This is the roundhouse kick we were talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Rough stuff for kicking a mentally challenged kid, but in still impressive form. It's so impressive. <laughs> I'm getting very, like, it's always sunny vibes right now. We're getting like, we're talking about the sexual nature of murder. We're like in a Dennis world here. Mac is doing roundhouse kicks in the background. It's like, it's really bad. We understand, you know, the person's mentally challenged, but that roundhouse kick, I mean, that was perfect form. That's I mean, it's like he was form. training with Bruce Lee himself. I mean, I mean, come on, you can't really, you can't Very deny the sexual. form. <laughs> <laughs> on the road, a woman is walking innocently. A man then emerges and she falls. Park passing by gets out of the car and starts to beat the man. Oh, and pause right there. I have a note about that, that bit. I, I kind of, because I'm, I'm, I'm getting the sense that the violence is picking up and I actually made a note of this. He says, <laughs> he gets out of the car and he says, rolling around in the fields, huh? What is this town, rapist paradise? And he jumps and drop kicks the dude. <laughs> and that's immediately when he starts beating the shit out of him. And I was like, this is just, I was like, this is, uh, this is I don't a know. great fucking time. <laughs> I was like, this is like, because it's, I'm getting this intense drama vibe, police drama, and then I see this, and I was like, oh man, we're really getting into it now. So, uh, but please, <laughs> please do continue. Yeah, turns out he is Seo Taeyon, Kim Sang-kun, Kayon, the detective from Seoul. Before going to the police station, Park makes a detour, putting an old smelly shoe into the dirt and taking pictures. Can I make a note here? Just, I like how, this is going to sound stupid, but I like how Bong Joon-ho incorporates smell into his movies. In a lot I, of movies we watch, we don't incorporate smell into it. You know, we were talking about this during like the Friday the 13th movies. Like, how could you not smell Jason? <laughs> it became a running gag, right? Yeah, because but here it's... like little smells add up to something you know they're sitting in the police car and there's a smelly old shoe in the car and they smell it in parasite the stink bug stinks the man's uh breath uh, the father you know I, I can't remember the character's name but the yeah, father yeah. who becomes the chauffeur's breath smells and they make they make comments about it throughout and they the make movie. comments throughout you know smell is important in these movies it's um it's funny because and like you said, like we're just not used to seeing that because I guess when you're watching a movie, you're just watching it. So you're watching actions happen, and it's kind of like television, you know, not smell television. Just... <laughs> <laughs> and you just you don't question that kind of logic. So when a character is like, "Oh, what's that foul smell?" You're like, "Oh yeah, that would make sense that if there's a rotting corpse or a smelly shoe, that someone might a comment." And it just if there's I don't an know if that's... undead man chasing me, you in a house <laughs> that's confined, you might smell it. You might the smell. smell. You haven't thought of the smell, you <laughs> bitch. <laughs> oh, I'm going to dice you up into little pieces. Oh, shit. All right. I really, uh, I, I, I promise we're, we're, 
we have an actual show here. I promise. We're, we're going to stay on track here. Now, back at the station, Park, Choi, uh, Bake are in the interrogation room, which is in the basement. Again, the importance of the basement in these movies. Dude, CL I think is was, just, yep. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I, I've subconsciously started flagging when people go into like dirty and dingy basements because it's always the same. Yeah. The basement is very, like I said last week, the basement is like very important to notable, not, notable basements. <laughs> uh, CO is just outside the room, sitting on steps. The three men are watching TV until another cop enters and hands a folder to Park. Inside are pictures of the footprints. The interrogation is turned up. Bake is brought to the woods and is digging a hole. This is as intimidating as it gets. They're basically love, saying, like, we're di- you're digging your own grave, motherfucker. I love that scene. It was really wild. Scared, Bake snaps and says he would, he would kill all the women who grimace at his face. He's basically confessing to a murder he didn't commit because that is what they're asking him to do. It's this so is good. literally Soviet tactics right here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Park holding the tape recorder then eggs on Bake's, uh, Bake to confess to the crime in detail. This is where Making a Murderer really came into my mind. Uh, Because if you remember in Making a Murderer, they had the mentally challenged kid um, confessing to something he didn't do because the police egged him on. He's like, oh, what did you do? But that happens, we'll see that throughout this movie, is characters, especially comes full circle at the very end. Um, We'll get there when we get there. But the whole idea of, you know, telling the cops what they want to hear. You know what I mean? A, a, a suspect caving because they're being pressured. Like you said, Soviet tactics is a good comparison. It is showtime. Bake is being brought to the scene of the crime where he is meant to recreate the murder in front of the press. Also, CO- they have a man, a, a police officer in drag, which was pretty funny. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why they couldn't just get uh, Quan, the female officer, to dress up as the woman is beyond I, me. But... I don't want to make this too political and like divert the conversation, but I realized how male-centric this movie was. I definitely noticed that too, uh, especially when they're dealing with the female officer and telling that her to like get me tea, clean up my coffee. It's like, well, Why and it was fucking do it yourself. Right. And it was, I don't know if it's just that like we, I don't know, maybe times have evolved since 2003 or if it's just Korean culture or if it's just bombing. Well, this isn't 2003. Statement. This is taking place in 1986. No, so I understand that. But, but it's more the, about that. Right. Maybe he's just, all right. Yeah. No, I was thinking just in terms of the movie coming out in 2003, but it would make more sense that he's saying this is the 80s. Even then, maybe things were still a little whatever I mean, different again i don't know about how things are in korea so that's what maybe i'm saying they so it's have, not something, maybe they haven't evolved i don't it's know not, it's not something i can feel i can touch on but i did notice just how many how male-centric it was and how the females were these if they weren't brutal victims um they were like these whatever secretaries or these like whatever go get me tea not only um, that but like women are literally discarded like garbage in this movie i'm not saying i i feel like this is more commentary on women's status in korea than maybe people think it is sure and maybe i'm reading into it too much but that's just it's interesting that you talk about the man and dragon why not just get the female and it's just i don't know i think that's that plays into it but i digress um seo warns the surgeon to call this uh to call this off as bake is in as is innocent when the sergeant asks how Seo could know, Seo says because Bake could not, is not capable of tying the knots 
uh, the women were restrained under. At the crime scene, Bake's father breaks through the line of reporters and exclaims his innocence. There's been a shake of management of the case. Sergeant Shin Dong Yeah, I want to, like, I should have added a note. Like, that was a big deal. That yeah. The, they set up a show for the media, and it blew up in their faces big time. So, of course, there's going to be a shake-up in management. I mean, it's interesting that part of the, and again, and again not to divert too much, but part of, the, part of the, I think, the whole commentary of this movie is, like, yeah, we're solving a crime, but we're also trying to, like, almost put on a show. It's kind of like we're showing that, like, we got the bad guys, and, like, the media, we're putting on a performance for the media. So much, so many of the extras are just people with cameras and reporters in the background, you know what I mean? It's kind of yeah, like... Well, I think that's kind of what Park starts off as you know that's why yeah. he locked up bake because the pressure was on him to just catch someone fast right it, which is a, a very yeah. big thing even in america that is a mm-hmm. big problem right They're, the media is so far up their asses that they need to arrest someone quickly to show that they are doing something right when in reality that doesn't automatically mean that they are guilty Right. I think part of it is just the commentary on, you know, murder and the media and where those two worlds collide. And I don't know, like you said, even in America, I mean, it's very prominent and it just it was very obvious to me here. But um, so there's been a shakeup of management of the case. Sergeant Shin Dong Chu, played by Song Jae Ho, has been put in charge. The case is broken down again. At the crime scene, a footprint, blood and semen were found. Shin asks if there were similarities between the two murder cases, both women single, beautiful, the murders taking place in the rain, and the women wearing red clothing. Seo interrupts. He believes there were, not, there were three, not two murders. A woman, Doko uh, Hyun Soon, has been missing for two months. Park and Choi laugh this off as Doko stated that she wanted to go to Seoul. Yeah, they the really di- dismiss it. Yeah, that's part of what, yeah, yeah, yeah. But this is kind of what we were talking about, about, how men perceive women you know they're like oh she's fine like right. she's she's always been a silly girl let's not take her they, disappearance they dis- seriously they dismiss it yeah very immediately um the day of her disappearance was in the rain and she was wearing red Sale also believes he knows where she is the body's quickly found and like the other women stockings were used to tie her semen was also found but it's too old to identify gross very <laughs> very gross uh after a long day the detectives go to bake's father's restaurant which i i don't know this seems very uncomfortable that this man is now serving the people who locked up and beat his son to shit but says a lot who am i to judge park (laughs) brought bake new shoes he thought they were nike's but they were actually nice which is the brand that they said they i i thought that was that was a good little bit yeah that was funny as they get drunker, Park begins to question Sio, mainly why a detective from Seoul came to the boondocks. Sio says to catch a killer. Park then goes into a rant about investigative work in Korea versus the U.S. The FBI, he says, works from their head because the country is so big, but Korea is small. The cops must therefore work from their feet. It was a pretty good uh, drunk rant. That was good. That was just uh, karaoke, right? This is right after the... Yep. Notable karaoke scene. <laughs> Again, notable karaoke scene. I love it. <laughs> I told you, and every he's a lot more musical than he gets credit for, Bob. Uh, it's it's good. I like it. Tensions raise, and Park and So CO begin to fight. Shin, after vomiting in a bucket, 
stops them and warns them not to fight again. Rough stuff for everyone. It's a hell of a night out. On the next rainy night, Detective Quan Kui Ok Go Sio He. Oh boy, I apologize again. I did. I tried. Uh, Anyway, Quan is put under cover. She walks in the streets of the town in a red dress. On the beat, Quan meets a schoolgirl who tells her about something suspicious that that is happening at the school's outhouse. Which, that looks like a fancy-ass school. Why do you have outhouses? Just build the bathroom in the fucking... Because the plot needed something to call for it. (laughs) The next day, the detectives get to the crime scene. Unlike the previous ones, the site is under control. Like the other women, the victim was tied up. The only evidence, again, is a footprint, but there is no clear marks in it. So, tough luck. But at the station, Park floats the idea that the killer must have been shaved down there as there were no hairs found. That's where his mind goes. You know it's intricate when they're having conversations about pubes because it's like, I I come back to to Bong doing his research for six months before even drafting, you know, any dialogue on, on paper. And it's like, I feel like that's where you watch enough crime shows. Like our generation, we watch enough crime shows or making a murder where it's like down to the pubes. It's like, well, listen, if there's no hairs down there, you know, you've got something. You know what I mean? And it's just. I just find it funny that he goes to a male bathhouse and literally is staring down every goddamn dick he can. I think that this is more (laughs) an indictment on his sexuality than anything else. I think there's a lot of undertones and themes here, but we'll save that for the end. Quan shares her findings. That every time a murder is committed, the song Sad Letter is playing by request on the radio. Shin wants Seo to follow up on that lead. Park's idea is dismissed, but Seo hits a dead end. The radio station threw out the postcard. Uh, so I guess this is kind of interesting because Shin takes something a woman said seriously, but under mm-hmm. the same breath, he's also telling her to get coffee and passing her lead off to CEO. The person who thought the best and knew best was dismissed because I assume she was a woman. I don't, well, that's, I mean, again, I'm not, I don't want to harp too much on that fact, on that fact, but it's just funny to see a group of men together, especially one who's, I don't want to call him vain, but like, you know, um, you know, thinking he can look into a person's eyes and know if they're innocent or guilty. And then he's clearly at some point he's wrong. And then there's this potential evidence that's, actually of use and it's kind of just dismissed and it's by a woman who's giving it to them so it's i don't know if it's just missed but that's the that's the interesting part it's not dismissed it's taken seriously but handed off to a male detective that's that's i assume she he thinks that oh i see what you yeah 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 no exactly that's more of just the themes of just like i don't know it's playing it to the cop drama tropes but it's classic boardroom play for years that women are now fighting against and rightly so it's like a good idea comes out of my mouth and then you pass it off to your buddy because it's a guy you know it was my fucking idea give me the credit yeah i think so much of this i and i'll i'll really harp on this at the end but so much of this is i think about this idea of who gets credit who gets recognition um, down to that 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 scene at the tunnel at the end when we get there, but it's this whole it's whole no, this whole notion of like someone being correct and like someone having an answer. Yeah, and well, that comes it's with, literally about 
catching a killer, which is identifying yeah. someone. It's yeah, yeah, identifying yeah. who did something. Yeah, yeah, of course. And everyone in this station is trying to fight for like credit for their work too. It's anyway. really wild. But um, we, as always, we digress. Uh, at Quark's request, Park sees a shaman. The shaman gives Park a scroll that, with mud from the crime scene, will reveal the killer. Classic, Park, the like detective move right there i mean come on how else do other people find their killers this is the only way mud on a piece of paper i mean hey it's worked before right 100 60 percent of the time it works every time every time uh park and joy go back to the crime scene at the dead of night and perform the ritual they're interrupted when co arrives on the scene smoking and looking down at the ground co is then interrupted by a third party the man places women's underwear. Uh, the man places women's underwear upon the ground and begins to jag off. Yeah, that was um, unexpected. That was something. Choi cracks a twig and the man runs. Park, Choi, and Neil pursue. The chase ends at a factory. The man is only found because Park sees the red women's underwear that the suspect was wearing. Joe Byung Soon, played by Tae Ho Ryu is then interrogated. He claims that he only jacks stuff like that because he has a sick wife and child at home. Yeah. This is com- I've heard that all, I've heard it all before. I've heard that so by so many people. Um, this is confirmed by CO and Choi. It is also confirmed by the large crowd rallying outside the police station to free Joe. The harsh interrogation slash torture of Joe continues in the basement. Just like Bake, Joe is ready to confess to a crime he did not commit. CO once again uh, on the stair is on the stairs unimpressed. His interest is piqued when Joe mentions a school outhouse. CO's investigation of the school leads him to a house just beyond the school grounds. It belongs to the victim of a of a killer who got away. Just like all the other women, she was tied up and only set free because she did not see the killer's face. Yeah, this poor fucking woman. Yeah, it's terrible. The only thing she can recall is that the killer had soft hands. Very sexual. Very, very. CO walks into the interrogation room and feels Joe's hands. They're coarse. In the office area, Park loses it on CO and they begin to fight. Joy watches the door, but is unable to stop Shin from walking in. Yeah, you can't stop your boss from coming into his own office. That's just like, you can't do it. Quan screams. Sad letter is playing and it is raining. We all know what that means. Oh boy. Ian Mi Sion's body was found. The autopsy found a peach cut into nine pieces in her vagina. Yeah. I I, I can see peaches are a thing in Bong Joon-ho movies too. This and Parasite. Oh, I didn't even make that connection. A peach. What's more vulnerable than a peach? What's more vulnerable than a peach? I feel like uh, Luca Guadagnino saw this movie and was like, yes. This is what must happen in Call Me By My it's all it's all connected i feel like he had every frame of call me by your name edited and he's like it's just missing something he's like i ju- it's just missing that something and then someone's like hey well why having a bong joo ho marathon you want to join us and it's like all right and then he gets there and he's like walks in and he's like peach oh he's like is there someone turn up the temperature in here and the line <laughs> from uh, elf plays in his mind peach what's more vulnerable than a peach yes peaches are vulnerable what else is vulnerable the women uh the women victims of these of these crimes yes we must put the two together now just for the record i know that call me by your name is a book and he does fuck a peach in it so oh really oh okay all right so So, guananino didn't actually come up with it but it's funny to pontificate like that okay that's good 
anyway, this it, we shouldn't make jokes because this is actually disgusting. They literally found nine pieces of a peach shoved into her fucking vagina. Well, I mean, the gravity of the, the situation way. is setting in, and the pressure is, of the situation have dulled the tensions. Park asks CO if he has seen anything like this before. CO simply replies, never. Park then rips up his book of suspects. He's literally ripping up the old ways of doing, uh, he's literally ripping up the old way of doing things. He's like best easy metaphor right there. Literally ripping mm-hmm. up the book. Park then rips, uh, uh, I just read that. Quan calls with good news. The radio station has the postcard. It was sent by a factory worker, Hyun Gyoi. The interrogation of Hyun Gyoi is different. All the detectives are metaphorically and physically on the same side. Hyun Gyoi yeah, started that was his... A, I just wanted to note that. Mm-hmm. That was like really well shot because like you just said, the before, CO was outside on the steps watching interrogations and mm-hmm. Kyoi would be hovering over the person they were interrogating while Park is behind the desk and Shin wasn't even in the room. Here, right. everyone is united on one side. This is like, yeah. we're, inter- we're working together to get you right now. This is it. Yeah, they're really building. Um, all the detectives, uh, yada, 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 yada. Hyun Kyo started his position at the factory in September, right before the murder started. Yeah, not it's looking good. Not looking good at all. As Hyun Kyo obfuscates the questions, Choi breaks rank and <laughs> roundhouse... Roundhouse kicks Hyun Gyoi to the face. <laughs> Power right in the kisser. Right in the kisser. All right, I can do this. To Choi's surprise, Park stops him. Tensions rise as a sad letter is played, leading to Choi once again to once again get physical. Shin pulls Choi from the investigation. CO and Park are going over the case at their desks. The conversation goes back to Bake and how he, how he knew so much unprompted. Seo realizes Bake must have seen the murder. They go to retrieve him from his father's restaurant. Already drinking there is Choi. The other people dining are also watching the news, which is discussing police brutality. This pushes the already on edge Choi to smash the TV. Pandemonium breaks out in the restaurant, resulting in Choi getting stabbed in the leg with a nail and Bake fleeing the scene. Rough stuff for my guy, Choi. Really rough stuff. Park stabs with a nail. It's really not the way to go. Park and CO chase Bake outside. Bake confirms he saw the murder, but before he can confirm it, he's hit by a train. Yeah. Rough stuff for the guy, Bake. Jeez, real rough stuff for that dude. Oof. Yeah. That's in a moral gray area, that whole situation. All the threads on Hyung Goy are gone, and he is released, but will be monitored. There is a new break in the case. Seaman was found at the crime scene. In order to confirm it is Hyun Goy's, they will need to send a sample to America. While waiting for the results, everything is getting darker. Choi's leg must be amputated due to tetanus. Kwok is worried for Park's mental state. Seo has a breakdown, forcing Shin to tell him to get his shit together. I mean, he didn't use those words exactly, but essentially yeah, he was saying like, get your shit together because Sioi is freaking out about uh, Hyun Goy getting on a bus to go home. It's like, dude, get your shit together. (laughs) Put it all in a bag. Get it together. Roll it up. Roll it up. As it rains, a drill is commenced to lock the city down. 
While the shutters close, another grisly murder is committed. While the body is not shown, the expression on everyone's faces show it was more horrific than its predecessors. Literally, it had one of those cliche scenes where a cop was vomiting after seeing the body. You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. In 2003, maybe that was like a new shot, but now it's pretty played out. Uh, Forensic says her breast was cut off by a razor and a pen and spork were lodged in her vagina. Sio calmly covers the body and finds Hyun Goi. Sio has snapped. He brings Hyun Goi to a train track by gunpoint. Right as, he ab- right as he is about to shoot, Park arrives with the DNA results. It, is, it was not a match. So, rough stuff. It's real rough stuff. Sio still attempts to shoot Hyun Goi, but he walks away down the tunnel, it's which rough. was actually like really well... Shot. I love and that shot with the silhouette of the us, the sky, and just see the the shadows of them. And yeah, the shadow just disappearing into the train track. And that's, that was good. That whole sequence was great. And the whole just like emotional, because Co has just Co and Park have flipped at this particular moment. Correct. In the beginning, Park was willing to uh, forego any evidence and just convict Bake because he needed someone to go down for the crime. And now Park is following the evidence and realizes Hyun Goy is innocent. Yeah. And CO just like cannot accept it. And he is willing to forego all the evidence and just go gung-ho that Sion Goy committed this. It's like... Yeah. They've changed. It's a complete flip and it's so fascinating how slowly you got there. This is my defense for longer run times when they have good character development because you're watching because that the core of the movie is really these two characters so to see them completely flip is a very poignant kind of transformation for the two of them yeah I, it kind of reminded me of and i know it's very very different but it kind of reminded me of like captain america and tony stark and how sure opinions completely flipped from phase one into civil war because when you get to civil war you have tony stark saying no like i need to be monitored where in mm. iron man one he's like i'm iron man get the fuck out of my way you know yeah, he's yeah, like yeah. He, ne- he learned like he needed to be reined in where yeah, captain america need- is a soldier taking orders and then by civil war he's like no we should not be taking orders from corrupt motherfuckers on top right Right, no, it's good. It's good to see that when you when you have time to develop two characters and have them do a one eighty, that's very um, very good storytelling for for characters. And you definitely see it at this moment with the two of them. I mean, Seal literally when he has the gun, he's literally firing. He literally like um, I, I mean, he literally they literally take his gun, they point it away because it's just like his, he's unpredictable at this point. He's willing to shoot this guy just to prove you know, that he's at this unhinged state. It's a really good moment. It's a really good. He's broken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I like that it didn't, I was worried for a moment that it would, when it faded, that it was going to end right there. And I'm glad that we got the epilogue we did. 2003, Park is married to Quok. They have two teenage children. Quok and Buck. Quok and Park is that what they wrote? No, no, I'm just making a joke. They have two children. I'm trying to say Park. Gotcha. Park, Park, Cock. Quack, park, quack, mock. Anyway, sorry. Just Park is now a salesman on his way to conference. En route, he stops the car and takes a detour to the spot of the first murder. 
a little girl appears and says Park is not the first person she has seen at that spot. Park asks, what did the other man who visited the site look like? Hesitatingly, she replies, kind of plain, ordinary. Park looks from side to side, then directly into the camera. The end. Good ending. Love it. All Love right, the let's ending. get into the awards. I, I'll kick it off with... Uh, as always, remind the folks at home oh, that we... Uh, yes, yes, yes. So as always, the awards are best or worst character, best genre bend, worst moment for the lower class, best twist, and best metaphor. So best or worst character, I went with worst character and I went with Choi. Like your roundhouse kiss, kicks are impressive, but you need so to stop. Impressive. So impressive. Impressive, most impressive. Like I said, impressive, but you need to calm the fuck down. You know, I feel like you're just going from zero to a hundred real quick in every single one of your scenes here. Yeah, yeah. In reality, there were no like characters I completely disliked. I agree. In this movie, uh, and best it was like hard because Park he had a lot of character growth, but I'm not sure that he's like a good guy. I mean, I guess as a character, he's complex, but I don't know. There's The thing is, there's no standout best or worst for me because everyone falls into this like moral gray area that is so great to see in a movie, but it means that no one really stands out above the rest. But Choi stood out to me simply because he is so one note. That's a good, no, that's a good way of putting it. It's, he, he's consistent with his character development. He's just um, kicking people. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of kicking people, I had uh, as mine, I, I mean, I was debating runner-ups, but like you, I didn't know how to word it, but that was a good way to put it is that everyone's kind of in a morally gray area. But I'd say the character I kept coming back to was Seo, Seo Taeyun, technically, the whole name. But um, I liked that he was kind of like this rambunctious rebellious kind of um doesn't do it by the books kind of way of um of detective work i like that he's kind of an outsider and like we were just saying like, you see him slowly become unhinged um well he's I, an insider to the highest degree in reality right. he's just an outsider in the boondocks yeah exactly and i think that just i like that his character seems like he's kind of like an expert or he's a even a wild card or something, and you think that he wild card, bitches. <laughs> Choi is the wild card. Well, you're right. He's the true wild card. But the way you see Co, he's always smoking a cigarette, and he's always kind of got this like, he's kind of got this mystery around him, and then it, you boil down to this ending, and he's you slowly become watch him become. You watch him deteriorate. Yeah, it's good. I so he's the he's the character I went for best, and but like you said, even like best and worst, it's kind of hard because everyone in this movie is kind of just not really right or wrong everyone just kind of is, they, they they're trying their best but they all have flaws what is your best genre bend um i was going to say not really horror because of how grisly the murders were but really guys i guess more of a thriller i guess drama um that mo those moments where the women were being stalked and like there was that bit where the girls walking uh, by the factory and the man you know crawls out from the bushes and jumps at her in the rain and it's kind of like this it's a, it's definitely horror influenced um but really just how th thriller it gets i said i mean it definitely became more kind of like an action thriller especially with the chase sequences especially the one by the factory like just to build the intensity and that's kind of expected from like a cop drama which is essentially what this is but it's 
those really those moments where they teeter on the dark and grisly reminded me of just real horror thriller elements that were very reminiscent in seven so um that's what i went with good one good one i i could have gone with the drop kicks uh i could have gone with the karaoke but i think i'm gonna go with right before they chase the factory worker when uh park and Choi go to get mud to put on a scroll which is funny enough to begin Mm -hmm. with and then you add in the mix of CO coming there and Park and Choi have to hide so he doesn't know that they're there. That was and good. And then the factory worker has no idea that all three of them are there. And then when they spring up to, you know, chase, they're like, oh, you're here, you're here. Oh. Yeah. It was almost, that was funny. So Yeah, it was almost like a, a comedy at that point. Yeah. Yeah, that was a comedy routine to me. So that's my <laughs> pick. That's good. Uh, worst moment for the lower class. I went with uh, Joe's family's living conditions. Uh, maybe get some. Maybe get some fly traps, Joe, my guy. Um, That's uh, that was the that was the moment I picked. It was. I just thought it was a real. Well, oh, it opened up the perspective a little bit because you have this crack masturbator and you're like, oh, he's definitely got to be a killer. He's got panties. He's weird. And then you see his family and you're like, oh, there's it you just realize how in depth the actual situation is for a lot of these people who have families. Yeah. I'm not saying <laughs> jack off fly, in a field with a traps. bra and um, panties on the floor, but I understand his depravity after looking at his life a little bit, but you know, guy, my guy, maybe just, uh, I don't get know. Some, get some fly traps, man. Get some get fly some. traps. I, I feel like, your whole life will change. <laughs> oh, come on. Get a little uh, get a little Windex or some Lysol or something. Come on now. Uh, yeah. It's just, you know, just something. You want to take care of your family? Just a couple fly traps will do wonders. That's it. Just a few fly traps. So what is your best twist? Um, honestly, I, I had thought about the dude pulling the panties out of his, out of his pants and the, you know, doing it because I just didn't exceed coming. I got, <laughs> oh, sorry didn't see it coming wow that's good i didn't even realize i did it but i had to go with the peaches, peaches. um peach. the, uh, of what's more vulnerable what's than more vulnerable i just peach. i've seen some weird shit in murder shows and documentaries and whatnot and just like they're they're pulling out nine pieces of peaches i'm like good grief so um that really took good me grief. by complete surprise but uh tell the people at home your your best twist uh i went with the ultimate like the final twist which was that the dna sample came back inconclusive i think for a lot of people who watch movies they expect a killer to be found at the end and again like last week it's not so much that it's a twist but a subversion of expectations where you expect to get the killer and you're not going to get a killer that's not what this is really about like Zodiac, this is about people being driven mad, trying to catch a killer. Mm-hmm. So, best metaphor. Best metaphor. Um, I went t- with uh, yep. Rip Park ripping up his book. I made a note of it in the synopsis, but he's literally ripping up his book of doing things and saying, like, CO, I'm your guy now. Like, let's go full in with the science bullshit, you know? Yeah, no, that's good. It's a good way of, uh, I didn't realize until you had writ, uh, written it that way. He's literally ripping up the book the way that they used to do it. You know, it's it's good. That's a very good answer. Um, 
I had made a note of how many shoes were in the movie. Um, shoes were everywhere. Footprints were everywhere. Obviously, it's part of a detective story. Yeah, he so, gifted shoes to be. So many shoes, footprints, etc. And they make there's a whole scene dedicated to them talking about Nike, and they're not really Nike shoes. They say nice, and so shoes were a big part of it. So it was ironic to me that, that Cho literally had his leg amputated at the end, because to me, it's almost like this chase for catching this killer has literally come to a halt. So like it's this end of the road. It's a represent to me it was like a representation of like they're literally taking off this man's foot. This this everything with the idea of chasing a person, the whole idea of, of running after someone and it's like I don't know, this whole idea of like the the fact that they're cutting off this man's foot is kinda like, all right, so this is about as literal yeah, as it gets that, to uh, brilliant shot on Choi's shoes where you have one shoe that doesn't have anything on it and then the other shoe which was the foot that he was losing yeah has the um like booties that they wear on crime scenes i don't i don't know yeah. what they're technically called. it was it's like the scrubs for your feet i again i don't know the technical term no no it's true it was very it was very poignant and i think that you know like i said i know footprints are a big part of you know a crime scene but they've specifically focused a lot on shoes and feet and or choice to be amputated and i was like this this metaphor is all too clear to me um and so i just you know that's uh that's what it went with yeah so that concludes our awards josh do you want to start us off on our final discussion um sure i thought that i mean like you had said earlier about this being an influence of uh you know other films and other films being influenced by this um this is just, uh, I don't know, it's very unexpected from what I've seen of Bong Joon-ho, but I like that he is choosing to do kind of different genre takes. Um, and this is just his take on a, a satire on, on cop dramas, if you will, or, or, or police detective stories. He's got a, little, he's got a sense of mystery in, in almost all of his movies, but it's, it was a real upgrade from Barking Dogs, and not just the technical sense, but in the storytelling sense, because it's just like he's really maturing and showing that. And, and I mean, it's not about yeah, it's about, it's about a crime uh, and a ca- catching a killer, but like you said, and not catching the killer, uh, it's really not about who did it. It's kind of more about just watching this team of of, of detectives slowly become unraveled. It's the same storytelling. Uh, me- mechanism that works so well in Zodiac. And Zodiac, I think, wouldn't have the impact it did if there was this big climactic moment where they catch the killer because it kind of underplays everything that came before it. And that's kind of like what this movie does the same way. But they do it, in their, like I said in the beginning of the show, they do it in their own way where it doesn't feel like it's ripping off. Um, I, was, I was kind of blown away at how much I enjoyed it. And it'd be, a lot of it was the slow burn and yeah. very strange turns it took and then it wasn't fast paced all the time and it wasn't you know always action and yet there was like there were the constant moments where people got drop kicked and i thought that was really uh that's really pleasant yeah something you touched on that was like the biggest thing to me was just how big of a leap this is from barking dogs tonally and technically it looks like two completely different filmmakers. Completely. But at the same time, it feels like the same filmmakers, which is something very rare. Kind of like what you were saying, this movie feels 
from what I've seen of Bong Joon-ho's work, this feels the most out of touch with the rest of his line of work. But at the same time, this movie is brilliant. I found myself swept up in the case and getting just as uh, invested in the case as they were. It was also a great way to make a bad cop movie, not like, not the movie being bad, but a movie about a bad cop. Yep. Kind of like Serpico. Because we have movies like that almost every year in America about how cops are corrupt, how cops are doing this and cutting corners here to catch who they need to catch. Like I mentioned, Serpico. There's like 20 other movies that could be name dropped here that came about. A French Connection. It's nice to see other countries touching on corrupt police systems, I guess is what I'm saying. No, it's, it's done really effectively. It doesn't feel like it's down your throat or it's obligated. It feels genuine. Yeah, and this movie is deep, complex, and like you also mentioned, very well-paced, very well-paced. Uh, yeah. I can't recommend this movie highly enough and we already touched on the character development so we don't need to like touch on that too much more but the shift in both park and co in this movie was so brilliantly done because you don't realize how in this way it kind of reminded me of mind hunters you don't realize how far the characters have descended or ascended until the very end when they kind of throw in your face like holy shit, like, this guy is completely different than what I remember him being in the beginning. And it yeah. just, like, hits you in the face with that. It's more about the characters than it is about the story or the, or the, or the murders. And I think, ultimately, that's the best kind of story you can tell. It's like, you know, it, it's like horror movies succeeding because they're having deeper thematic elements within the characters or whatever their commentary they are and actually about being a good horror movie it's not everything else is kind of flashy showy and i what real watching this made me realize how um not really how bad but how um how i don't know how to say this it made me realize how plain the cop murder cop dramas and murder mysteries in america are displayed like don't get me wrong there's some great content out there but, but like so much of it is like you know, you've got the tropes and you've got like the, the washed up old cop or whatever. And he's, you know, there's like a young rookie and then it's also, there's like action scenes and chase sequences. and Like kind of what you're saying, it's become very contrived, but at my bigger problem with the current ones are they've become too big. Everything right. has to end in like a fucking shootout. When yeah. in reality, that's not what it's about. Mm -hmm. It's like we've been saying, it's about the characters and their evolution or devolution I like of CEO's character. And it doesn't shock me that this is one of Tarantino's favorite movies at all. Uh, no. And it's it's got those moments of explicit violence, just enough to like leave a lingering feeling, but not enough where you feel like you don't want to revisit it. Like it's it's enough to feel like you could watch this movie again and it's not too intense, but it's just intense enough that like it keeps you on the edge of your seat. I mean, it does exactly what it needs to do for its genre. Yeah. So, I highly recommend it. Yeah, it's. I was. I'm so glad that I had never seen it before before we Me did the show because this I is meant, all fresh. I was. I. I can't just. I know I said this before, but I want to state it again. I just was blown away by this movie. This to me, this is like 
a crown jewel in Bong Joon-ho's crown, like, hat here. This is, like, astounding to me that he made this as a second-time director. It makes me glad that we picked him as a category for our show, uh, having not seen some of his earlier works. Because it's there's a reason he's got the reputation he does. Because, like, yeah, Parasite put him on the map with, you know, the Oscars and with a lot of American audiences. But even with, like, Snowpiercer and Okja and, like, he's making his way, he's got a name for a reason. And watching murders, watching memories of a murder, it's like, oh, I'm finally starting to really understand why all of his movies are special. As far as directors are concerned, because I'm not talking about the franchises that we have been doing, I gotta say, like, this one has been the most interesting, even two episodes in. Yep. Because with Nolan, as we kept going, I got exhausted. Um, To this day, I'm still exhausted by Christopher Nolan. Um, But Wes Anderson, we kind of knew what to expect. Mm-hmm. and I had seen a majority of his movies, so, like, everything was just so... I don't want to say everything was expected, but it kind of, like, fell into a line that I knew where it was going. Mm-hmm. Where Bong Joon-ho, I had really only seen a couple of his movies, and I'm finding the more I watch his movies, the more interested I am in him as a person and sure. his directing style. Yeah, well, and I like, and we'll we'll really dive into it next week because when I watched Parasite, I knew, and I think I had said this to you when I had first seen it, is that the, the movie's genre, Parasite alone, the genre kept changing. I liked that movie a lot because it's it's comedic, it's horrific, it's thrilling, it's funny, it's all these things at once. And for me, it's kind of a, and, and I'm, I'll be excited to really flesh that out when we get there. But from what I've really gathered from his movies is he really tackles entirely different genres with every movie he does, which I haven't really seen from, I can't say that about many other filmmakers because if Barking Dogs is a dark comedy, this is a very dark thriller, whatever, action Yeah, this is a psychological thriller. And then The Host is a monster The Host is a horror monster. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? And so it's kind of like, it's very interesting to see a director tackle these different genres and yet keep the signature style there because that's, I think that's the key is like you had just said before is it felt like a, t- a completely different filmmaker and that you knew it was him. You know the what I mean? The only other filmmaker that is coming to mind right now that have d- that has done this and is still considered an auteur is like Stanley Kubrick. Sure, you know, that's a great example. Every movie that Kubrick did had his signature on it, but it tackled completely different things. You know, he went from Lolita to Dr. Strangelove to 2001 A Space Odyssey to, the to, a, cl- to a Clockwork yeah, yeah. Orange yeah, 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 to yeah. Barry Lyndon, you know, it's, like it's, to The Shining. It's, it's like space, you could not war, get a, horror. Yeah, no, nah, it's good. But the fact that you can even compare the works is, is telling only two movies in. So we'll have to see where it continues. But I think that's a great spot to kind of. Yeah, I just want to note I'm not saying that Bong Joon Ho is at the level of Kubrick with some of these no, movies. No, it's the, it's the genre. It's just the genre ebb and flow. It's all the better that we went with the genre vending category we did because he clearly likes to toy with the genres himself. Yeah, that one is <laughs> going to be really difficult when we get to Parasite. I just... I'm very I'm very excited. Anyway, you ready to give the pick of the week? Uh, I mean, I was, but the more we talk about it, I'll, I'll no, I'll do it anyway. Um, yeah, you're about to take mine because we've been mentioning it this whole time. Well, the Zodiac's the only answer. Yeah, it is the only answer. It really is. I'm not even going to say it's the best answer. It's the only answer. And here's what I'm going to tell you. I'll, I'm, I'll keep this short, I promise, because I talk too much. But it's I, 
my mind went to seven first and then it went to a little bit of zodiac and then it went to like girl dragon had two and then it went back to seven and then it ended and i was like no zodiac is the only answer that makes sense because of its ambiguity with the murders being unresolved and with watching the unra- what you said about watching the detectives become unraveled that's the key and there's really though again the movies are alike and yet they don't feel like copycats and i think that that's just a crux of what great storytelling and, and great films ultimately uh, how they influence other films and filmmakers so i'll start it with that and you can add on to whatever i mean there's not much more to add to that i'll just say that fincher outdoes himself in research in that movie and i will mention the performances of robert downey jr who this was 2007 so pre-iron man when he was getting his shit back together it was a great performance this was gyllenhaal when he was about to turn the corner and become like a very like serious actor i feel like this movie early night crawler vibes yeah yeah, 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 this movie like shaped him into the actor that he was becoming even uh marky ruffs man you know that's what i was about to say and mark ruffalo (laughs) was even great in this movie so yeah there's not much more that could be said about how it aligns with uh memories of a murder it's just those two are like a perfect pairing man those are yeah i couldn't i I couldn't shake it the whole time i was watching and i was like this feels a lot like zodiac obviously it's own unique way as we've been saying yeah i mean obviously um don't watch them back to back or you're in for a very depressing day (laughs) but you know if you're gonna watch them i in one weekend you know one day at a time i highly recommend it that's the only answer all righty everyone so i think that this is a good spot to end this episode of whose filmography is it anyway i agree uh, as always, you can follow me on Instagram and Letterbox at Mr. Filmart. Josh? You can follow me on Letterbox, uh, Beesh, B-E-E-S-H. That's it. And you can follow the podcast at Who's Filmography on Instagram. So we will see you next week when we get into Bong Joon-ho's monster movie, The Host. Take it easy, folks. Thank you.